Hello and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Mallory Khalifa, Managing Director of Animated Storyboards, a full-service animatics company that specialises in high-quality storyboards, animatics, cinematics and test commercials. We get to know more about what makes Mallory tick, what drives her to be the business leader she is today, and we discuss the quirky differences between the Brits and the Yanks, for good and for bad. This is a crude question, but how does your business make money? Is this just pure contract work, is it? We make money two ways. Um, so yes, it is mostly contract work. So again, like I mentioned earlier, we have advertising agencies that we work with. We have long-standing relationships with them. They're not necessarily fixed to working with us, but they will contact us you know, on a project-by-project basis. And what I mean by project-by-project, project, it's an advert. Like, you know, and they'll come to us anywhere between one and four or five adverts at a time. They'll be testing various concepts. And then we decouple with um, direct to brands. So we have a lot of uh, preferred supplier partnerships, which is um, a big part of what I do. Decouple. Yeah. So that means you kind of cut the middleman out, which is the advertising agency, Mm -hmm. and you go direct to the brand and uh, procure. I love the fact that someone had to come up with a nice name for that. Yeah. Cut them out. It's truly a term that is used within the industry. Yeah. So yeah, so that that is a big part of my role. I I bring in a lot of business into the company globally for all of our offices because we have offices in New York. uh, Well, within North America, we have three offices, and then Europe, we're Germany, UK. We have an office in Israel, Bangkok, China. And South America and Brazil. So I, I, a big part of my role is bringing in global work to the company. How brilliant. So on these, some of these global brands, each agency would produce an advert for China, for whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you can then watch all of these animations one after the other and Absolutely. see all of the idiosyncrasies of that country. Absolutely. And we have uh, meetings every week where we all watch each other's adverts. And it's amazing. Are they really, really different? There are some countries where, of course, they're different, like India and China and a lot of you know parts of Asia. But sometimes they're there's also a, there's not. There's a lot of bunny rabbits. A <laughs> lot of bunny rabbits in the China I, ones. Uh, no, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't no, have said that. That's a uh, that's a no. It's actually South Korea as well as China. But yeah, they, in their emojis, there's a lot of characters anyway. But you have to remember the brands that are putting their money into testing are usually the very large conglomerates, like the Unilever's, the Procter and Gamble's, the Nestle's of the world. But those are the ones where they just revoice the advert for all over the world. So you yeah. see people's lips moving and they're saying something completely well, different. Well, so yeah, so they do do that Ferrero a lot. Ferrero Rocher. But, and Ferrero as well. They're, they're, we work with them a lot. So it depends on the region. So they'll create like a European version and they'll only shoot it once. And then as you're referring to, they will adapt it. Um, but for Asia, they might do like an Asian version and then adapt that to the rest of Asia. Are so you aware that Ferrero Rocher, I don't know if they're aware of this, is that it's such a popular advert because it looks so ridiculous on British Which TV. Which one? Because so there was so a classic, many. oh, Ambassador, you are spoiling us. And it was really badly dubbed, which and no English adverts up. were. Yeah. It was in that soft European porn yeah. focus. So it was yeah. like a and porn film. And it was film. piled up in piled that like, up. like and every, triangle it thing. It stuck out like a oh, that's map. A, that's, a, that's a very important part of their brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was this pile of Ferrero Rochers and it was like, the Ambassador's parties are noted in society. It worked brilliantly, but for all the the reasons they don't expect because it was hilarious. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's great press in some ways. It's well, we so would bad buy it's them. good. We would buy them for a party yeah. just so you could go, oh, Ambassador, <laughs> you're spoiling us. And we'd all go, oh, Ambassador, you're spoiling us. I want to come to your parties. 
What did you fuck up most when you set this up? Firing and hiring, really? I mean, hiring? oh God, there are so many things. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, so firing and hiring, that is fundamentally. But yes. you're wicked at it now. I'm absolutely amazing at it. I mean, I have to, like, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I went through the barracks to get here. Like yeah. this was, you know, it, it took a while. And and I do feel like it's kind of an art form to just know right away if somebody works or they don't. Are you married to a Brit or you? I am married to a Brit. Ah, mm-hmm. so that will help. You And also you were living here. So once you. Oh, you, yeah. So I mean, part of it was you learn and part of it, you it then just started years, understanding. <laughs> it took a few years. Uh, but yeah, there is, there was a bit of that, of, of like, obviously, being immersed in the culture through my relationship, but also just a majority of my staff um, are British. Uh, they were more European until Brexit happened, which is such a shame. Honestly, it's such a shame because I've had to turn down amazing talent from the rest of Europe because of this. Well, we need to get your sponsorship license. We'll get one. Yeah. No, I mean, we have contacted you guys about that. Actually. Yeah, yeah. You guys you help to... us on a lot of things. No, I mean, it's, yep. it's more money, but basically Brexit means you got to get, if you're a decent sized business, yeah. you got to get a sponsorship license. Absolutely. Which we are willing to do, by the way, and and, and we did with a particular. It's not candidate. hard to get them in if you got but it. But what it's, what what we noticed for other candidates outside of the UK is that it's a bigger risk for them mm-hmm. if they if it doesn't work out within the notice period, you know. So they've uprooted their entire lives to come over here, even though before it was nothing, right? Just you take a train from France, or you you know, for, it, it's just it's totally changed the landscape, and it's such a shame because companies miss out on incredible talent. And the thing about ASB, that's our company, Animated Storyboards, by the way, if I haven't plugged that in yet, we are very good about recognizing good talent and saying, I'm going to hire you. And we'll we'll go through that visa process and, and make sure that that talent is brought over. Um, we've done it in New York. We do it in the UK. We do it in our Asian offices. Like it's, it's not a thing for us because we believe good talent deserves to, you know, work with us if that's if that's what they want. And that's what, you know, if it works out, if it's a mutually beneficial um, hiring what do you think is most misunderstood about your what you do, your industry? Costs. People always think we're trying to like pull the wool over their eyes, which is just ridiculous um, because we're so... Hey, you're cool. speaking to an accountant. Yeah, lawyer, yeah, exactly. It. Like we're very cost competitive and uh, and we bring our costs down all the time to be competitive, to get more business in. Their expectation is much lower, is it? On this? Their expectations are super high. They're like, we want the whole world for nothing very quickly. You know, and that, <laughs> I don't, that just doesn't... That whole triangle of like, you know, you're not going to get everything. But again, it's a lack... The thing you can't say to a client is if you were to tell them the truth is you would say... You're not my only client. In fact, right. I've got loads of right. you, and right. you all want everything tomorrow. Right. Okay, can't say that. Can't no. ever say I'm too busy. No, like, I'm really busy at the no. moment. I'll get back to you, and no. I'm busy by the way because I'm good. Exactly. Uh, so you don't want someone who's not busy because they're shit. And yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing because we're really well known for being a solution-oriented company. We have wonderful customer service, but at the end of the day, it's like we still want everyone's business. <laughs> you can put the phone down and then yell "fuck off." Of course, which works you, very you, well. You, yeah. you you put your fees up. It's the truth of yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, that's the really hard thing that we all do because we want to be nice and then we want to get in the contract. We don't want to lose. We don't like people to say no. But the truth is, and, you know, Pippi, you definitely, and, you know, I think I am at that stage too, that it's like, really, I should be putting my rates up and up. I don't, I feel bad about it, you know? Well, you shouldn't feel bad about it. I, th- I think what drives 
putting rates up is that are you able to get away with it and does it affect your business? Yeah, so supply like and if demand. You're, exactly. Like for us, putting our rates up is is difficult because we lose the business. There's somebody else out there who will do it more cheaply. Yeah, and that is the same for, that's absolutely yeah. my problem is yeah. that there, there are people, I'm not the cheapest by any stretch. Right, right. There are people that will do it much cheaper and if I put my rates up too much, I won't get any work. Exactly. Well, you will because they'll go there and they'll come back because I, I know how good you are because I fucking asked you to do something and I get back to my desk and it's there. Lawyers normally need a week to think about it. I think that my, my point is, is that, um, you know, a person will come back to you, a client will come back to you because they like working with you. Yeah, you're and, absolutely and right. And it's you. It's not like the company. It's a personal relationship. What do you find hardest about what you do? What do I find hardest about what I do? Um, I mean, I come into a lot of stressful situations, I'm not going to lie. And I deal with a lot of high-level high um, clients. Bullshit, uh, she means. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do. And, and there's quite um, high risk, uh, you know, the highest risk being loss of business for huge, you know, um, clients that we have and contracts that we have. And and so, yeah, I, I would say that's probably the most stressful part of my job is, is just making sure, because, you know, I, I do on a whole bring in a lot of business into the company for the different offices. But also there's there's an amazing team that, that does that as well. I, I get what you mean, because I... I don't know about you, but I've kind of got to the point where I just get, like, I did a pitch for something a couple of weeks ago, and the, then I got an email saying, oh, thanks for your pitch. We've decided in this instance to use a different lawyer. And I was absolutely gutted. Yeah. Were you? Because yeah. it hasn't happened to me in so fucking long. Yeah. And I was just like, I really, it took me about three days to get over it. Oh, what kind wow. of lawyer are you again? I'm a corporate lawyer. So I work with a lot of startups and growth companies and... So the people I'm talking to a lot of the time are not that sophisticated, and so they just kind of buy it. I hope they're not listening to this now. But, you know, they it's quite easy to make them feel comfortable and make no, them... No, no, yeah, to, well, you're knocking yourself, but yeah, you're, but you're, you know you're, I mean? you're, you're commercial yeah. and most the lawyers are full of shit. The lawyer they want is somebody that will just talk to them like they're a human being mm-hmm. and not lose, use loads of acronyms and not be lo- really, really kind of scary of course and I can do that well especially when you put so much effort into something and 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 I face the same thing when clients just don't have good etiquette yeah. <laughs> you know of just letting you know thank you for putting so much time and effort into something we're not going to go with you I just find that really it's hard it's absolutely difficult yeah I don't think it, it gets any easier in any industry that you're in what are you excited about in your business um what am I excited about you clearly like winning deals and you're quite good at it I am quite good at it, weirdly. I never thought I'd be like a new business person. But like now I have had a glass and a half of wine on an empty stomach. Here we go. Actually, I did say it earlier. But I mean, yeah, that to me is very exciting. It's just that kind of instant gratification I get. That That's kind of what feeds me. Like I like getting deals in. I like getting, I sound like Better Call Saul now. I like, but I do. I like, no, you know, forging hit. relationships. And, you know, to me, that's the most exciting thing. And And obviously it benefits everybody in the entire business. What do you do? Do you ring up DHL or, you know, whoever, B&Q and say, what are you doing about? No, because... You, you... Those are very not our clients. I know. But, but yeah, whatever. okay, let's just use DHL as a as an example. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a mix of we've either worked with some of their brands in the past. Let's use Dove and, like, Rexona. Like herbal essences or something. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, Mallory's like, that's is the that here, question. Yeah. It's a P&G product, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I would say winning deals, forging relationships, that's kind of what drives me. I'm actually an introvert-extrovert. I do love uh, people, and, and I think that's probably what makes me 
decent at what I do. Um, but also, I like bringing on great talent. I like, you know, growing a business. And I think that those are, if I'm talking very selfishly, that is what I'm excited but, about but for the business. But you're the managing director of the UK and you were given a lovely opportunity. Yeah. Back then when he said, go do it, well, you did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, yeah. now, and you managed to keep it. Because by the way, if you hadn't sorted out in a year or two, I know what Americans are like. They'd just be like... Yeah, you're out. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of that Mallory. Absolutely true. You're 100% right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've been with the company for a very long time. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Well, I would say along the way, I was I worked at Clear Channel in America, in Chicago, and um, a woman, no, it was at Leo Burnett, actually, a woman told me once, a very wise woman, when, when she was advising me on how to write my CV. When you say wise woman, I immediately imagine like a little old crone. No, she was very young, like cool, obviously older than me at the time, but she worked at Leo Burnett, when, uh, the advertising agency I used to work at. And she told me, you know, when writing a CV, don't just like tell me everything you've done. I want to see tangible results, which is something I mentioned earlier. I want to see tangible results. I want a result-driven, you know, CV just so that I can understand what you're capable of. So is that like I bought in this work? Yeah, it might be like, oh, I worked for, no, that's not true. So a lot of, absolutely. So people will be like, I manage budgets of a billion pounds or I, you know what I mean? Or I've worked with this and I've dealt with this turnover and I've done this. So it's more or less. The problem is if, if a Brit is reading that, they look at it and go, that person's a dick. But then how do you assess? It's a problem. It's an issue. It's absolutely an issue. I used to go to camp in America and they and they do this in adults, you do this as things that you often go around a room and everyone has this little 10 minute piece. I'm John, I'm from Chicago. When I was young, I used to have a donkey Love name. Like the campfire thing. I don't know where I am in America, but I'm yeah. like, yeah. And they yeah. do it as businesses. You go, oh, let's go around and introduce, you know. I mean, we've, gives... we've been taught that since we were children. Yeah. yeah, and you guys are very comfortable doing it. Whereas a Brit, it's very uncomfortable. And actually, if I really am the big swinging dick in the meeting, it's the hardest person because I can't say, you know, I'm John, I'm head of the UK. I, I mean, they end up having to, but I'm incredibly good at what I do. This is my 12th business. It's just like, it's so the end, the head person ends up going, well, you know, um, you know, but, you know <laughs> I mean, I'm actually yeah. John. So yeah. there's this, this, it's interesting on the CV that people would, but you see that people do do it. Sometimes it, I do. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, it's more like company names will, will be an indicator if you're capable or not, but it depends on how long you've been with that company. So some people, 
like like to skirt in and out, you know, in less oh, than like yeah. a Keep year. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, there's a reason why you're not sticking around. It's either like probation period or you're just. If it's like every eighteen months they move on, it's you're like... too. That's way too soon. So yeah, so so there's a there's a part of that, but it's also just like, yeah, what did you do? Because you get CVs that are like. 30 bullet points. And I'm like, this is just too much to read. I can't read this. At my last firm, I was sent to, they had a potential new starter. And I'd been a partner for quite a few years. And I was sent to, in fact, I might have been managing partner at the time. And I went to have coffee with this guy who was going to be like a junior lawyer. And I was slightly, like literally three minutes late to coffee. And I was like, I'm so sorry I'm late. I was just trying to deal with something in the office, something gone wrong in the office. And And he, the first thing he did was try to explain to me how I could have fixed the situation in a better way than I had. He mansplained you? Yeah. Oh God, that's the worst. And I just went back from that meeting going, please don't hire him. He's like the worst person. They hired him and he was terrible. But it's just like that in the UK, like somebody who's super overconfident (laughs) is just... It's a problem. But you get it. uh, Yeah, sorry. I I think there's a big difference between being like cocky, overly confident yeah. and versus being co- comfortable and, and just, I don't know, just being well, like, well, we, this is how it is in a way without yeah, yeah. making you feel less than, you know? We would go through the opposite experience in America. I find it very, very hard to work out the truth with Americans because everything's yeah. okay, you know, well, and they're so very good at go. selling themselves. Yeah. And, and they, it's very hard. It's very hard for us to sell ourselves in the US because like, the yeah. deprecation the is deprecation just like is a problem. So, no, the deprecation is a huge problem because yeah, a lot yeah. of people are like, well, do I trust you? Well, I don't know if you don't believe in yourself. You I'm not sure shit. I believe in you, 100%. you know? And that is that is like a big problem in the States. Um, whereas the, there is the other side of it where Americans are like way too much, but... Um, I think so, yeah. like I'm, it's in America, it's difficult for me to ask about someone's parents because people have this sort of front as a business and this thing they've learned to do since young that I am this person, I do this and I'm comfortable with this information. This is the information I'm going to give you in a box. And you are something that's out of that box because because like my sister-in-law lived it. Oh, sorry, go, go. No, I was just going to say, uh, I actually know why some Americans find that a problem. It's because Americans are very good at presenting themselves in the package that they want to be presented in, yeah. which is fair, which I feel like is true of everyone in, in yeah, some yeah. regard, right? But I think once you get to their parents, because America is a place of, you know, you can become whoever you want, whatever generation of your family that you're from. So if their parents may not have been as well off as they are today, it may be triggering or it just might be something that they don't really want to talk about because it may not define who they are and who they're presenting to you. Yeah, and you're slightly. You, they may think, is he trying to undermine who I'm, who I Possibly, am? Possibly, or, or, or like, why is he trying? Why is he asking me this question? That's weird. Yeah, <laughs> you know you know, I mean? and we are separated by a common language. You know, like when we say, "I hear what you say," it means I've just listened to you. You're talking absolute bollocks, <laughs> and you know, I'm not. I'm going to ignore everything you've just said. Whereas in the US, I'm pretty sure I hear what you say means. I heard what you said. I heard what you said. Did and you it's find useful? My, Absolutely. My sister-in-law was from California originally, and she married my brother and lived here for 10, 15 years. And then they're, they're back in Colorado now. But she said the one thing she said to me before she left, because I know she, you know, she found she didn't enjoy England that much. It's all a bit quaint and strange. And I think I'd feel the same as an American. But she said, um, I've never had better friendships. She said that in America, it's the there's a superficiality, so that here the people she really bonded with like became much deeper friends than she would have had at home. Did you ever feel like that? Or do you think that's sort of, you know, her experience? No, it's definitely, um, 
there's truth to that. I think, you know, I mean, I'm very close to some of my American friends still to this day. I mean, they are some of my best friends in the whole world. But I mean, that, those are friendships that you foster. But I'm like, if you move to a New York and you're meeting somebody, and I don't know, like the chances of you staying friends with that person are probably, I mean, it depends on like the person. It's obviously, again, it depends on, on who you are and it depends on the type of relationship and the chemistry you have with somebody. But I would say on a whole Americans, um, again, I, I'm generalizing and I, and I don't want to be offending any fellow Americans out there. Um, but I think that, um, uh, Americans are a little bit more, um, can be on the surface and it depends on like what benefits you, um, out of that relationship, especially when it comes to work, because Americans are Everyone's more work driven, more work driven than any European or Brit I've yeah, yeah. met. There are, don't, don't get me wrong. I know a lot of very no, work I think driven, that's but, uh, but culturally, if we're, you know, if we're talking culturally, Americans are far more work driven. So there's a lot more, you know, how does this benefit me? Um, if we're being honest with ourselves and in the UK, on the other side, it takes a very long time to get to know British people yeah. way more than it does with an American. An American will tell you their life story within like, you know, it's sitting with them. Whereas a Brit, you may not know who they are, um, you know, after like a couple of months of knowing them. Um, and also, British people, I would say, are not as excited about f- meeting foreigners as Americans are. That's the quite fun thing about going to America is like they fucking love it. They love British people. You guys clean up when you go to the States. Top three reads, pods, records, whatever you want. And it doesn't have to be three. I'll give you different. I'll give you one of each. Okay. So, okay, one of my favorite reads, only because during the pandemic, I think all of us were looking for a little bit of something that wasn't what we were experiencing, right? Yeah. Um, So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Eckhart Tolle. This could be a bit of like, are you guys familiar with Eckhart Tolle? So he's this little German man, and he... Is he really little? He is actually quite little. Um, He Actually, I don't know, but he looks little the way he presents on screen. On Zoom. Yeah, exactly. Um, And his whole book is A New Earth, and the whole idea behind his book is about um, being present and being consciously conscious every every waking moment of your life. So um, that sounds exhausting. But you know what? I know, I know. Here I am. Here's the American in the room talking about a little German man. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, the whole thing, it's it's actually kind of nice. So the idea behind it is, you know, I think um, as as all cultures, we think a lot and we might, you know... um, I don't know, get ourselves in like tizzies uh, over just menial things. And and his whole concept is basically about being aware that you're thinking and trying to live in the present moment. I mean, and that, okay. that, that is fundamentally what it is. Makes sense. Uh, second, podcast. Okay, I've got a lot. Serial is an amazing one. Oh, hey, yeah. With an S or C? S. Clearly, you haven't heard Serial. No. Have you not heard? Oh, my God. Oh, God. What, what's good. If you're looking for something to distract you. Uh. Serial's great. And he's literally just been released. I know, he's been, re- and he should be released. I, I mean, I maybe that might be divisive, but I so serial, No spoilers. No, no, it's not a spoiler. Serial is a podcast about a murder that happened many years ago and whether it actually happened or not. Mm. Whether the murder happened. Well, yeah. not the murder happened, but whether the guy that was convicted is actually guilty. Oh, yeah. I feel so sorry for people who are behind bars. But I mean, Serial was, like, like, mur- mur- was the first one. Uh, yeah, Serial was the first investigative yeah. podcast. The, the t- yeah, yeah, the TV yeah. show... That's like making a murderer. Yeah, is that the same one? That, no, but it's but a like very similar, similar vibes. Sort of thing. Right. Yeah, but serial. I drove through France 
and I was listening to it, so I made my parents listen to it, they wouldn't get out of the fucking car. Yeah. So I then like, realised there was some upside. so yes. good. It's can we so just good. listen to the next the one? The second season wasn't as no, good, but I have to say. Good, yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. Um, also, Heavyweights. <gasps> Do you know Heavyweights? I love Heavyweights. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> love so this is not as big of an undertaking because they're standalone episodes, which but is quite nice. It's amazing. You can dip in and dip out. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm in. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, it's goodbye. Goodbye.